Welcome back. Welcome. To Sustainable Sustainability. I'm Nick. I'm Hannah. And this is episode 13. Episode 13. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty all right. How are you doing, Hannah? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Getting into that Christmas spirit. I love holidays. Me too. Me too. I love winter and Christmas music and lights and everything. Yes. I love decorations. I love trees. I love Home Alone. <laughs> I love Die Hard. I haven't watched like any Christmas movies this year though, Hannah. It's been a problem. Oh, I've been watching Harry Potter. Oh, that's a Christmas <laughs> movie. There's a scene every every movie where they have dinner at the hall. And I watched Hustlers, which also has a Christmas scene in it. What? Was Hustlers good? Uh, pretty good, yes. Yeah. I've heard like mixed reviews, so. It's based on a true story, and I became, what? I became completely obsessed with the true story, and I watched the 2020 about it, so you need to watch it. I need to watch the true story, and maybe also the movie. It's kind of like the movie uh, 30 Minutes or Less. Did you ever hear about that one? I did not. It's with uh, Aziz Ansari and I think Jesse Eisenberg before he was famous. Okay. Um, And it's about the same thing that the Netflix documentary series Evil Genius is about. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. It's a comedy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. About that story. Um, anyway. I don't know uh, how I feel about that, but uh, that's what I did this week. What's up with you? Uh, speaking of bombs and things that are not sustainable. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I've been just kind of hanging out. Uh, Sunday, I went up to Bellingham. Uh, that's where I went to sco- uh, school. Yeah. Um, and met with some friends up there. Um, and lunch and stuff. Made some peppermint bark. Um, it's delicious. Then, thank You're you. a chef. Thank you. It's very fudgy, but it's it's good. I um, made fudge this week. What? You made fudge? High yeah, five. I'll bring you some next time. Cool. Thank you. Um, and then um, we went rock climbing. Yeah, just kind of been a normal week. How about you? Um, aside from watching Harry Potter, I... Oh, I teach an Irish dance class. Oh. And so we had our recital. Yeah. And it was precious. If you could go to Ireland, um, would you? I have been there. You what? I didn't know this. Yeah, in high school. Oh, right, 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 right. You went on that Euro trip. Yes, thing. I went yeah. on a Euro trip and it was lovely. It was very green, gotcha. very blush, very rainy, and uh, I'd recommend checking it out. Wow. Speaking of green, too. We love greenery. We love That's greenery. That's why we're trying to protect the earth. Yep. On this new episode of Sustainable mm-hmm. Sustainability. Yes. So what's our topic for today? Um, This week, uh, just because it's kind of the end of the year, um, I know... Uh, Spoiler alert, we'll tell you at the end, but we are going to be taking a little bit of a break um, until the new year. So we just kind of wanted to give you guys a wrap up with some sustainability news that has happened this year. Um, I know that I'm really bad at following the news. So when people mention things like the Green New Deal, I go, yeah, I know what that is. (laughs) Um, And then uh, do not do any research on it. Yeah, that's Um, okay. And so just kind of giving you guys a... uh, bit of a summary of where we're at and like the top five things that have happened this year. Yeah. Top five in sustainability news that we we think made an impact this year. There's so many other oh, yeah. things, but these are some some big ones. Some things that will hopefully be applicable to everybody and then will um, maybe impact years to come. Exactly. Sweet. All right. What's number one? Are, are we doing this in order? Are we doing these like are, five, four, three, two, one? Or these are, are not we, ordered. Not ordered. These are all equally important. <laughs> Maybe not, but... <laughs> you can decide. Rank them and tell us which one you think is the most important. Yes. On our Instagram, sustainable.sustainability. Sweet. Okay, so the first one is Greta Thunberg in Fridays for Future. 
So, you know her, you love her, we talk about her often. You barely know how to pronounce her name at this point, though. So, we just want to clarify once again, it's Toonberry, not Thunberg. Yes. Um, But last year, Greta began spending Fridays outside Swedish Parliament to call for stronger action on global warming, and she was outside of Swedish Parliament holding up a sign that said in Swedish, school strike for the climate. Um, so this triggered a lot of other students to join her and call it Fridays for Future. So they would sit outside parliament buildings or government buildings on Fridays to call on leaders to do something about the changing climate. Yeah, so her, her kind of thing is just kind of to really empower uh, the youth of the world to make, it, make actions or try to influence government especially um, to make actions that will impact the climate um, for everyone. Yeah, so yeah. She's been pretty cool about that. Um, I know that uh, in 2019, there's been like a lot of uh, protests, a lot of people participating in this thing that has been now referred to as Fridays for the Future. Um, and that's just kind of on certain Fridays, um, a, a people in different nations will hold, or students in different nations will hold uh, protests and walkouts um, for uh, the government to, or to encourage the government to, make uh decisions based on climate change which is pretty awesome yeah exactly so after she addressed the u.n climate change conference in 2018 um in 2019 there were two multi-city protests that over 1 million students participated in so that's what you were talking about yeah um it it started a chain reaction and more and more students are getting involved um, in her own family, she and her family have given up meat and air travel, even though she was traveling all around the world to talk to different world leaders and things like that. That's crazy. At the UN summit, when she came, didn't she uh, travel by boat? Yeah. Yeah. And if you follow her on Instagram, it's so interesting because she like posts pictures of her doing like on different boats or um, getting from place to place in different ways. She's so cool. She's such an influencer. She is. She is an influencer. She's a hashtag influencer. <laughs> I know that. Um, and a lot of what she's done has received some criticism too. Um, I know like, for instance, that, uh, some jerk, uh, I don't remember who it was, but some jerk, uh, pointed out that, oh, well, there's lots of sea accidents that happen in August. So be careful, Greta. Almost like a threat, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. Isn't that ridiculous? There's always going to be haters. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. Exactly. Um, and I know that like, uh, I know that, like, in 2020, there's supposed to be, like, a documentary about her. So I think that we'll get some more information about the haters and the lovers there. Um, And then things like uh, in May, she was featured on the cover of Time, um, who called her Next Generation Leader. um, And she's now been named Time's youngest person of the year ever. Isn't that amazing? That is really amazing. All based on climate change. She was also nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize this year. Heck yeah, she was. She's freaking awesome. Cheers to Greta. She's pretty great. Yeah. All right. What's number two? Number two, the second thing we're going to talk about is the poll out of Paris. It's a little bit less happy. Uh, yes. But that's okay. Pretty big sustainability news, though. Yes. Um, so four years ago, every country in the world signed on to this big thing called the Paris Climate Accord, which had a plan on how to fight climate change globally. Um, their biggest goal was to, um, I know we talked about this on a previous episode, but was to uh, fight um, the rise of the temperature um, and to see it not grow more than two degrees Celsius. I think it's in the next 
uh, or by 2020 or, or by 2030, 2030, by 2030. So basically mm-hmm. in the next 10 years, um, which if we continue on the path that we're on, will far go far more than two degrees Celsius by 2030, which is kind of very scary. Um, I know. I always think of default that it's 2012. And so when we're saying 2030s and 10 years, it's still confusing to me. That's true. That's true. And two degrees Celsius, most of us who are listening to this podcast, because most of our listeners are in the United States, think of things as in Fahrenheit. So two degrees Celsius is like three or four degrees Fahrenheit, I believe. So it's even higher, which is crazy. I do not want that at all. Me neither. Um, And so... In uh, 2016, when Trump was elected, um, one of the things that he was running on was getting us out of this Paris Climate Accord um, because a lot of him, or he and a lot of his supporters have kind of mocked climate change and uh, denied that it's real. Um, and so they're trying to get, uh, get the U.S. out of something that he believes is useless and um, not worth our tax dollars. So, um, you know, even if it's even if none of it's real, what's the what's the outcome? We have a cleaner world, but we didn't have to. Yeah, I would like to see less uh, smog in the air, personally. So sure would. Yeah, I would love to see the sky. <laughs> um, and so he, by the rules of the contract, had to wait until three years into his term, though, to do that. And so he did. He waited until November fifth, and he announced that we are formally. Backing out of the Paris Climate Accord. Yikes. Which should take a year to do. So that's scary and not good. That is that is not good, especially because it sets like a really bad example that there's no enforcement and you can just leave whenever you want and there's no reason to follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, ridiculous. other countries are doing way more than we are, but um, it's just, yeah, not great. And the U.S., like, for, like, we we're a world leader, like we're up there with like the influence that we have on the on yeah. the world. So to do something like that um, just is pretty irresponsible um, when you think about the global impact of something like that. Um, and it's worth note that currently we're the only country leaving. Greenland didn't sign on in the first place, but we're the only country that's actually leaving. And Greenland, as we mentioned in a previous episode, has a population of about twenty. So yeah, yeah. Give or take 20. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty scary. Yeah. The good news is that a lot of good has come out of it. Like oh. some governors have pledged to uphold the Paris Agreement despite um, the federal government pulling out. And then EU leaders have said they'll work with state leaders and business leaders instead of the president um, so that they can still get things done. That's awesome. I know that in... Um when Trump was elected uh, and he had already voiced his opinion on the Paris Climate Accord and talked about how he was going to try to get us to uh, back out of it, um, a lot of uh, states proactively signed things that said that they would still uphold no matter what. Um, And so now that number has risen to 24, um, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So good job. Good job. Uh, Half of the United States. 50%. Just 50%, under. Just under. And then I know today... 48. We t- 48. Good job. That math degree is coming in oh, handy. Yep. That's what um, I use it for. And then, breaking news, uh, if you haven't heard, 
today, uh, Wednesday, which is going to be four days ago. So hopefully you've heard it by the time that you listen to this podcast on Monday. December 18th, December 2019. The House voted to impeach Trump. Um, so he is still pending a lot of different, uh, a, a lot of stuff to see if he'll actually get kicked out of office. Um, but who knows what the impeachment will mean for the backing out of the Paris Climate Accord. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. It'll be interesting. I tried to Google that before we started the podcast, um, and I couldn't find... Everybody's just posting Screaming. about the impeachment, either yay or nay. Um, yeah. And so nobody's really talking about how it's going to impact the uh, PCA, as some might refer to oh, it. Oh, yes. The Paris, Paris Climate, Climate Accord. Board. Yes. Well, the acronyms. Cool. What's our next topic, Hannah? The next topic is the Green New Deal. What? This has been a talk of the town this year. Heck yeah, it has. Anyway, go ahead. Um, Ocasio-Cortez and Ed Markey released a resolution for the Green New Deal in February into the House of Representatives in the United States of America. This is a non-binding resolution, so it's kind of a goals and dreams where they outline what they would like to see done on climate change um, and how we can get there. Um, they talk about transitioning to clean and renewable energy, carbon emissions to zero, and moving us off of fossil fuels in the next 10 years, which is super ambitious, but would be super helpful. Yes. This this also cre- would create green jobs, guarantee health care, medical leave, minimum wage, things like that for folks working in the green space and helping people transition from um, dirty energy production to clean energy production. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how... Um, crazy in a good way. Um, but they're really ambitious with this to not just talk about the environment, but also talk about social inequality, Mm -hmm. um, and other things or social inequity and other things that, um, are important to a lot of Americans. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's mainly just a, a big dream that we're trying to get to. But Trump has called the Green New Deal a hoax and denied climate change entirely, which we kind of already touched on. But um, there is early voting on it um, that Republicans called in March, and it was not passed. No, I think it resulted in a 57-0 to defeat. Um, uh, and a lot of the Democrats that were there voted just simply present mm-hmm. um, because they didn't agree with the fact that Republicans called an early vote to it. They wanted to do more research. They wanted to talk about the bill more. Um, and they didn't feel like they had enough time to really uh, let the impact of the Green New Deal sink in. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of them kind of just basically by saying the president refused to vote, um, which is one of the reasons that it was not passed in March. Um, and so... There's, and with that, there's been a lot of critics on the Green New Deal. Um, there's people who say that no carbon footprint by 2030 is an unrealistic goal. Um, and a lot of people who are even pro-tackling uh, climate change uh, have said that because the plan is uh, pretty, uh, as they view, unrealistic, um, it makes it seem like fighting climate change is entirely unrealistic and illegitimate um, Mm -hmm. when it's already been under attack. And then critics from the other side um, say that the uh, Green New Deal is not strong enough. Uh, I guess they were originally uh, the committee to do the Green New Deal was trying to fight for total 100% renewable clean energy 
Um, and now we're just talking about a net zero um, emissions. Okay. So the difference between that would be um, a net zero em- emissions is just basically fighting whatever emissions that we're already putting that we're putting out into the uh, environment, um, while a 100% renewable clean energy would be not putting any out in, at all, right. and then on top of that, tackling the stuff that's already out there. So cool. Um, yeah, and then the 2020 elections will determine any governmental change that may uh, result in a new Green New Deal um, and possible change. Otherwise, a Green Newer Deal. A Green Newest Deal. Oh, yeah. we should uh, we should get royalties on that name if they use it. Heck yeah, both of those. Yeah. I'm cool. gonna submit a patent tomorrow. All right, great. Um, yeah, Green New Deal. Big. Lots, lots of talk on that this year. Yes, definitely. Okay, what's the next thing? Um, we're going to talk about the Impossible Burger. The Impossible Burger was something big this year, I feel. Yeah, it was. It actually started, um, the Impossible Foods uh, created the Impossible Burger in 2016, um, but it was really brought to attention of the public this year mm-hmm. um, just because it's grown so popular and has been uh, put in so many different restaurants. Uh, I think the biggest one is that Burger King started using it um, yeah. as a meat, as a plant-based alternative. Um, and you can get a Whopper in that. You can get any of the burgers there as a Impossible Burger. That's but cool. What is the Impossible Burger, Hannah? Well, it like you said, it's a plant-based option that kind of tastes like a burger. Um, so it's a patty that's made up of soy protein, potato protein, and other oils mainly. There's, there's other ingredients, but it is a vegan option um, that is exciting to have at chains because if you don't eat meat but you want to go grab a, a quick meal it's it's nice to have options that aren't just like french fries yeah and i know when i was going vegan the cool thing about the impossible burger they had it at a i'm gonna plug this place in kent washington called jp's so yeah. if you're in kent you should go to jp's so good so many good beer options, so much good food. They have the the Impossible Burger there, and they had it before a lot of different places. Um, and so I was doing a lot of research on it. It create it contains this thing called heme, um, which is basically a molecular compound that um, is found in uh, blood, basically, um, that gives meat its like meat flavor. Oh. Um, and so they use they grow heme through a certain kind of yeast that. Uh, brewers use in beer Um, and it's 100% vegan still um, and they extract that and put it in their burgers um, which helps a the taste and then also um, it helps with the nutritional information to basically impossible meat Um, they claim that their nutritional uh, value is almost exactly the same thing as a um, 80-20 hamburger whoa so pretty amazing that they were able to use that all that via science yeah i was reading that it does have vitamin b12 in it which is only in meat or heme probably yeah and that's like one of the only plant-based options that has that yeah vitamin in it hopefully my brother doesn't listen to this uh episode why um before christmas um, because I'm about to say, uh, they're actually going vegetarian, and I just got them some vitamin B12 supplements. Oh so, my goodness, that's yeah. a great... Where, where Did you get the ones from Trader Joe's? Uh, no, I actually got them at Rite Aid. I was doing some mm. shopping there. The one at Trader Joe's? They one free, so... They just... Oh! Yeah. Okay, I take them every day. Got you. 
Love them. Love them. Great. You, the I don't know. ones, we're going to say about them. Oh, they, they like dissolve and so you okay. can just drink them with water. And, oh. But I, it doesn't really matter. They're all the same supplement. Yeah. It's pretty cool though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't yeah. know why I said it's pretty cool when we're talking about the gift that I'm giving my brother. That sounded like a brag. Well, it was a brag it because was. good job cool. gift giving. <laughs> um, and then, so other places that you can find the Impossible Burger would be uh, at White Castle, um, if you're at a place that has White Castle, um, Hop Dottie, which is a good, a cool plant, uh, I can't speak, a cool chain in Texas has them. Umami Burger has them in California, Bear Burger in New York City. And then recently, Red Robin started using uh, the Impossible Burger. Really? Yeah. They even have a specifically vegan Impossible Burger because a lot of their uh, buns have like, mayonnaise or like butter that they used to mm. toast their buns. Um, but the Impossible Vegan Burger is completely vegan. Wow. It's pretty cool. Um, Before yeah. that, they did have a veggie burger. Yeah. But it was like definitely more of a veggie burger where you can taste mm. the vegetables. Yeah. I like having those options because mm-hmm. the Impossible Burger, for anyone who's on the fence about trying it, it tastes so much like meat that I was actually very scared that I had to accidentally eat meat the first <laughs> yeah, time I right? had it. It tastes so similar. It has the same texture and everything. Yeah. It's- so... It's amazing, but it is kind of scary. And if you are scared about things like GMOs and stuff like that, it is a very highly processed food. So, not, I'm not shaming it at all. I personally love the Impossible Burger. Oh yeah, but it is definitely something that um, you may want to look into if you're having any like any any concerns about those kinds of things. Yeah, and um, if you're wondering why we're talking about the Impossible Burger as a huge sustainability win. Um, we did an episode on meat and just wanted to remind everyone that meat is a really large contributor to CO2 from humans. Mm-hmm. And so having an option that is meat-free but still tastes like meat, looks like meat, things like that at major chains and fast food restaurants and things like that is really exciting because if folks opt for that instead of a meat burger, a plant-based option can be really good for the planet. Especially when it's been, like, so popularized by things like Burger King, by places like Burger King. Yeah. It's pretty amazing for sustainability that uh, people can, or people are excited to try it. Oh, yeah. Excited it's, to try it the burger. It is very exciting. Yeah. So, it's pretty cool. Um, and then back to a little piece of less exciting sustainability Oh, news. great. Let's round it out. What is the last thing? Um, we're going to talk about the Amazon burning. That is something... Now, these are maybe, maybe the the five sustainability pieces of news that were the most headlines were about. Yes, exactly. Because I know I heard so much about the Amazon burning on yeah. Instagram and other news sources. <laughs> not just I don't get all my news from Instagram, so don't come at me, okay? Yeah, Hannah does not. Nick, on the other hand, does. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get my news from Twitter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and NPR. You're a big NPR head. Oh, love it. Yeah, yeah. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. It's 24-7. I still can't get enough of it. <laughs> I used to listen to NPR a lot when the last election. Probably going to listen to it again at this election. Mm. But um, in between elections, I really it's really hard for me to keep up with news, I think. Yes, so. that's fine. But it's not I remember me. when I saw this on Instagram the first time, and I was like, oh, no, the Amazon's on fire. But this is just one person talking about it. <laughs> Probably not real. And then I like... All of a sudden, the next day, everybody was talking about it. Yes. So what exactly was going on, Hannah? Well, there's a dry season in the rainforest between August and October. Mm-hmm. And deforestation fires are set by people to clear land from during this time for farming, ranching, mining, infrastructure, things like that. Cool. Some of it is 
good so that new growth can happen. Mm -hmm. Some of it is bad because new growth was already happening. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I feel like some something somebody hearing that um, for the first time might think like people in the United States do controlled burns and things mm -hmm. like that, like fire uh, fire departments and uh, forestry people do that all the time. But this is not necessarily done by the government. This is done by people who just kind of want to clear space for um, yes for, for their, their farms. for their own personal. Yes, so that's Endeavors. a little bit different, and um, it's a lot more of the, of the forest that was on fire than oh just my a goodness. controlled burn. Fires in the Amazon were up 50% in September from last September, and 2019 Yikes. has seen over 10,000 more individual fires that the Amazon has seen on average. You could call that an uncontrolled burn, couldn't you? It's, un it's out of control. It's an out of control Sound burn. the alarm, the Amazon was burning. I'm not sure if it still is. I actually don't know either. <laughs> wow, we're well, bad you, at this. You talk about the other things. I'm going to look that up real quick so we can know. Great. Um, so some of the fires were caused by weather patterns that have brought drought to the region, making it more flammable, as well as more intense winds. And um, a lot of folks attribute these to climate change, but some people are just like, hmm, weather patterns, that's fine. But also large agribusiness is also behind the burnings. So a lot of folks were setting intentional fires to clear land for cattle ranches because of the high demand for beef. And a 2009 study found that four-fifths of deforestation across the Amazon rainforest could be linked to cattle ranching. Yikes. Um, looking this up, it looks like the Amazon is still on fire a little bit, but a lot less than it was uh, a, few, uh, a few months ago. Oh, okay. This was a big thing in on Instagram specifically. Right. Well, so another reason that folks attribute to the burning of the Amazon is that international leaders such as Macron have blamed Brazilian President Bolsonaro for prioritizing business over climate and environmentalism. So when Bolsonaro was elected, he kind of has decided to turn a blind eye to environmental protections and specifically protections for the Brazilian Amazon. Yeah. I remember he fought with um, with Macron like a lot over this, mm. um, and it wasn't until the uh, I think it's the G seven summit, yeah. the G seven summit, that he was finally like, Might have been okay guys, okay guys, OG ten, one of them, one of them. Um, he was finally like, okay guys, fine, I'll send my troops in, and so he sent in a lot of Brazilian troops. I think forty four thousand. Whoa, um, which is a lot. So yeah, good job reacting. But next time maybe be a little bit more proactive, Bolsonaro. Um, yeah, if you're listening, Bolsonaro. Yeah. <laughs> That's our one Brazilian for next listener. time. <laughs> um, and so he's he's like, oh, they said that they weren't gonna shame me. <laughs> well, we're here not to shame anyone except for Javier Bolsonaro. Yes. Um, and so he only did it really after he was pressured by other countries. Um, but it is of note that it's not just in Brazil that these fires were happening. Um, in uh, Bolivia, which is right next door. Um, and they have a lot of Amazon rainforest in their country. Um, it was burning at the same rate that they were burning in the uh, in Brazil. So, like, if say thirty percent of and this is just a made up number, I don't know the exact number. If say thirty percent of the rainforest uh, in 
Brazil was burning, 30% of the rainforest in Bolivia was, uh, Bolivia was burning. Yikes. And so he uh, was kind of turning a blind eye to it a little bit too. Um, but not only has he now uh, reacted and did he send in some troops, but he's also uh, requested for help for next year um, during their dry season from other people, uh, from other countries. So he's asked for foreign aid for that, which is well, pretty pretty good. Yeah, that's exciting that yeah. they're thinking through what's going to happen next year because as climate change continues to to worsen and mm. the global temperatures are rising mm. and, and other weather patterns are changing, it's important to try to anticipate what's going to happen so that we don't get stuck without air to breathe yeah. and water to drink. Very much so. And next year, the potential for fires is even higher than this year. Yikes. Um, just based off of climate patterns and then also uh, certain uh, certain protections that have been lifted by uh, the governments in the region. So it's, it's scary and hopefully um, we can all do our best to help fight that. It's not great, Nick. It's not great. It's not great. But we have the Impossible Burger. That's a win. <sighs> Yeah, to drown your sorrows. And Greta Thunberg. Oh. We have two... A oh, guiding light. Yeah, we have two good things in all this. <laughs> okay. Well, um, those are our top five sustainability stories from the year. Um, yeah. We'd like to hear what you think was the most important yeah. one or impactful one. What do you think is the most impactful one for you? Um, good question. I, I kind of feel like the Amazon burning was the one that I feel like got most people engaged with the climate change discussion. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, um, it, it focused their attention on something that they might not have thought about prior to a crisis. Yeah. Um, so. Crises like that, I feel like, really bring people's attention to things that they otherwise would not mm -hmm. have even cared about. So. I also think that that one is going to take have the longest lasting and most devastating impact. That's so, true. That's true. I would say that's the biggest story that I think is on the list. I feel it. What about you? Um, I don't know. I feel like the plot of Paris was a really big deal. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to say that that was probably the biggest, um, the, the, the most impactful thing for me. Cause it was the most thing. It, it kind of put me, gave me the perspective of, look, the government is not always gonna, help protect these things and it really is up to the individuals and the people and the big corporations to uh, make any change that they're able to um, because unfortunately there are people out there who are working against uh, working towards global climate change what? working against uh, our efforts um, so it's really important for us to do that and then I also am really excited to see what happens in the next year um, to see if maybe we will re-enter the Paris Climate Accord. All right. Well, um, we'll keep an eye out. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for thanks for listening to those. Thanks for listening. Okay. Well, that's what we have for this week. Yeah. Um, some housekeeping. Housekeeping. We will be taking a little break. Yes, we will. Um, as you may know, uh, I know we've mentioned it before, we usually record on Wednesdays. Uh, next Wednesday is Christmas. Um, and we both celebrate Christmas, so we're not going to be recording that day. Um, and the following Wednesday, if you didn't know, is New Year's Day. New Year's Day! And I'll be working and probably also hungover. So Great! Happy yeah. New Year! Happy so, New um, Year! Anyways, so we'll see you in the new year in 2020, but have a great holiday season, and 
Stay sustainable. Stay sustainable. Um, please remember to uh, like us on Instagram or however you do on there. Um, you sound 80 years old. It's <laughs> like it's your first day on the internet. Give us a review. Um, I've been watching a lot. Of, oh, that's another thing. Side note that I've been doing a lot this week okay. is watching a lot of Charmed. I do not know what that is. Um, it's a show from the year 1999. Um, and I wasn't even so alive. Long. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm so young. I found my first... My first gray hair this week. Oh, no. That's how I know I was alive in 1999. Whoa, holy crap. Yep. Um, by the way, on this episode, I, I just want to say, on this latest episode of Charm that we watched, they took a trip to the year 2009, <laughs> and all their TVs were voice commanded. Um, their cars would, like, kind of zoom by. Oh. Um, and... Oh, there was something else that was ridiculous uh, that they uh, had in the year 2009 on the show. 2009 was a spectacular year. <laughs> Apparently. All right, where are you going with this? Because we need to wrap this up. That's it. Anyway. All right, watch Charmed and like us on the web. Uh, yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>